Welcome to week three, but episode two. That's right. Of established. This yep. is a resource of Chestnut Mountain Church where we get to talk about the core doctrines of our faith. Uh, I'm joined again this week by Brandon Bridge Farmer, one of the pastors here at Chestnut Mountain. And uh, my name's Jared. I'm excited to be with you this week in our roundtable. <laughs> What is the what is it called? They're again? called round table. Round tables, <laughs> different than a square or a rectangle, okay. but a round one. You build tables. I, I have never a round one, but you're a carpenter though. Um, just trying to be like Jesus, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe I uh, I'll be able to talk before this podcast is over with. But yeah, round table discussion. That's right. Uh, last night, uh, where we talked about how to study the Bible. Mm-hmm. Really cool discussion. Uh, people were really digging into it. Yep. And uh, I'm excited because I think this is a topic where we are scared of at the front end. It's like, okay, the Bible is very big. I don't like to read. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last time I read was Chronicles of Narnia, and that was required in <laughs> fifth grade, you know, which is crazy. That is crazy. That's a hard read, you know? Yeah, but what a cool read that is. What a cool read. C.S. And he's friends with J.R. Token. That's where I'm getting confused. Facts, but, yeah, yeah. C.S. Lewis pointing to, to the gospel. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. But, <clears throat> you know, reading is like, we watch videos now. Yeah, yeah. We get on YouTube. And <laughs> and if we do read, we're reading just, you know, highlights, cliff yeah. notes. Yeah, quotes. Quotes, man. So studying the Bible is a big concept. Yeah. Um, but I love what you wrote in this week for the study. You You talked about we all can know more about the Bible. You know, mm-hmm. we, even, even the most scholarly of scholars still has something to learn. Mm. And the, the quote that you pulled from Augustine, Augustine, I'm not really sure how to, I've heard it <laughs> pronounced Augustine both ways. almost sounds more like sophisticated. I yeah, like okay, okay. I call him Augustine, but... I've heard some <laughs> smart redneck. people say Augustine, though. So, oh. But originally John Piper said Augustine, so I went with that. And I, like I heard Piper. some other smart people say... Augustine. Anyway, he was a saint and he's written some crazy good stuff. So he's brilliant. A lot smarter than me. Probably you. I don't know. For sure. Okay. And the quote is, the Bible is shallow enough for a child not to drown, yet deep enough for an elephant to swim. Mm. That's cool. Yeah. It's got something for everyone. Yeah. And that's the beauty of the Bible is it's not, it's not just for the, the scholars or the, um, the intellects is for every person at mm-hmm. every stage of life. Like, that's the beauty of like reading it to our kids. Like they can, whatever their mind's able to understand, they can grasp something, but it also is for the one that's in seminary or <clears throat> the pastor that's been in ministry for 50 years. Like mm-hmm. there's something there for everyone. Mm-hmm. And it's important to know how to study it. Uh, so on one hand, it's important to, sort of simplify it and say, hey, there's, you know, you can be at an elementary level and just get started with this. And then even when you are as smart as you think you can be, there's still more to learn, you know. Uh, But it's important to learn how to study it. And we learned even more of the importance of that when we were digging into some of these studies. You want to talk a little bit about some of the studies that we (laughs) uncovered? Just some crazy stuff, like stuff that like, I think for us that grew up in church, or people that are just in church all the time, like we just take for granted. Like, but that, you know, like 60% of Americans can't even name five of the Ten Commandments. You know, this used to be, Ten Commandments used to be everywhere. Yeah. 
Um, I think of Longstreet has it on their cubs. But like <laughs> that people can't name the first written words of God, really, that we have. And like they can't name them. Five of them. I would even go that majority of people can't name less than five. Wow. Um, just some of the things. I think of uh, this one. It says 82% of Americans say that God helps those who help themselves is a verse in the Bible. And if you think about that, even in our culture, that's like the mantra of what our people think. Like, if you'll just help yourself, then God will help you. Mm-hmm. When in reality, like, God helps us because we can't help ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's that dependency. Um, I love this one. Um, 12% of adults believe that Jonah of Ark was Noah's wife. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jonah of Ark. Who, who was that again? Do you even, I don't even remember who that was. Somebody nope, in history. But I know it wasn't Noah's wife. Um, <laughs> And when the, she was Sacagawea when they came. <laughs> Pocahontas. Yeah, I, no, I, no. I doubt that one. Um, <laughs> I should have paid attention probably better in uh, World history. history. Yeah. <laughs> or, and then the last one I'll say is like 50% thought that Sodom and Gomorrah were husband and wife. Mm. And how important it is to understand what Sodom and Gomorrah were um, especially in the culture we live in. These are mm-hmm. cities that were God destroys because yeah. of um, of their sin. And uh, and, they th- and people are walking around thinking that they're characters in the Bible that were husband and wife. Mm-hmm. So, Sexual sin too, wasn't it? Wasn't sexual sin, yeah. yeah. We'll leave that for another podcast. Yeah, we'll get into that <laughs> my, later. My favorite stat was that you... <laughs> What was it? It says a considerable number of respondents to one poll indicated that the Sermon of the Ma- on the Mount was preached by <laughs> Billy Graham. So that's good. Yeah. I mean, and <laughs> these are just basics. Yeah. Basic things that I like flying over the surface of the Bible that as Christians, we should know. Like we should be able to understand that Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount. Sodom and Gomorrah were cities. Um, we should know the Ten Commandments, not because I think that you're holier or you're a better person if you can name them, but because they're the law. That's the first law God gave us. And so, um, yeah, yeah. These, I mean, these are things like, and so we're just learning more and more. And we, and you know, Al Mueller has an article that talks about just how biblically illiterate our culture is. Mm-hmm. That, and these are statistics that prove that case, that argument, that. People have just been either spoon-fed the Bible or never opened the Bible for themselves. Um, and so they don't understand what the Bible is or what it says or what it teaches. And, and I think that should terrify us as Christians, like that we don't know what the Bible says when it's God's word to us that we might know him and, and love him. Like this is how God has revealed himself and we don't know anything about it. I think a lot of it too, we can, and we don't necessarily have time for it today, but like so a lot of it is because we're not even taught on how to read a book. Mm-hmm. So we're reading the Bible as if it's not a book mm-hmm. and meant to be read the way that you read. Like Chronicles of Narnia, you're not picking that book up, flipping to the middle of it yeah, and reading and then trying to have a full concept of what that book's like teaching or explaining. Yeah. And so I think a lot of it comes back to just like how we understand how to read. And yeah. no one wants to read, as we talked about in the beginning. We want to watch a video. Yeah. Well, you you also talked about the dangerous approaches mm. to studying the Bible. And uh, this is what I think we both want to focus on more in this conversation, because 
this is what we've seen. And honestly, I mean, in my own life, I've right. seen these sure. kind of creep in. And because culture pulls us away from this in all areas, you right. know, studying, studying anything for an extended period of time is becoming increasingly more difficult, mm-hmm. not to mention the spiritual warfare that we face when right. it comes to studying the word of God. Obviously, the devil doesn't want that to be productive, you right. know. And so any way that he can twist that or any way that culture can twist that um, is good for the enemy, you know. Yeah. And so, yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about these uh, these dangerous approaches. You've identified one, two, three, four, five of them, which I think is a great way uh, to look at it. And I think it's really helpful for us. Uh, if you, if you want to maybe walk us through those approaches that yeah. you had. Yeah, because I think we all, at seasons, we get in this, or it's easy to do this just in the Christian life because no one's ever showed you how to read the Bible. You really don't know what you're doing with this book. And um, so the first one we just call the medicine approach, and it's that idea of we've we've got all these little uh, coffee mug verses that we just like <laughs> cling to. So like, for instance, like if you're feeling anxious, you're going to look to Philippians four six. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Like this idea of like, okay, the Bible tells me not to be anxious. I'm just not going to be anxious. I'm just going to read this verse over and over again. And and really, you don't even know what Paul's talking about there. Yeah. Or you're feeling tired. We want to just go to Matthew 11. Yeah. Come to me all who, are, uh, who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Like, oh yeah, Jesus, I need rest today. Like I need a nap. And in reality, that's not even what Jesus is talking about. Yeah, he wants you to rest, but that's not the rest he's talking about. And and so we're just taking these verses, and there's so many. You could, you know, everyone loves Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, I can conquer. I can be the best athlete, or I can conquer yep. this job, or whatever. And Paul's talking about, like, persecution. Yeah, he's and not so, talking about Fortnite. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. He's not talking about really anything I feel like we face as Americans, really. I mean, to an extent we do, but... He's talking about being persecuted yeah. for his faith and and he can persevere in the faith because Jesus gives him strength. And so, but even just like we have these verses that we just want to cling to. And we just when we have that feeling, we just go to him and it's like popping a pill to make you feel better. When in reality, like, you're not even getting the full context of what the author of that book is trying to say. And and so what happens is you just never get this full picture of of what it's the Bible is teaching. And so if you're not careful, you'll start using verses out of context and you'll yeah. start um, misquoting things. And, and it just leads you into a failed approach of being able to read the Bible correctly. And, and if we don't read the Bible correctly, we don't know God correctly. Yeah. Um, That's interesting. Before you move on, I, uh, you know, you were talking earlier about how we read other books mm-hmm. or other works of literature and, you know, so often we approach the Bible so lackadaisically, like mm-hmm. lackadaisically, 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 lackadaisically. I don't know. You're the grammar person. Well, I'm me. killing it right now. <laughs> That's like the fifth word. Of, okay. We, we, uh, we are so lax in our yeah. approach <laughs> to scripture. Like we don't even care who wrote the word. Yeah. You know, from that specific verse, we don't care what context it was in. We don't, we just want to find something to fill our void right. in that moment. You yeah. know, like we want to, we all hear about those moments. Well, I was, I was in such 
disarray in my life and I went to my Bible and flipped the pages and pointed my finger on it. It's yeah. like, it's not a globe that we're spinning around and right. letting our finger stop on where we want to go next for vacation. Yeah. You know, exactly. like this is, there is a purpose for every word, mm-hmm. but to understand that purpose, you have to understand the context. Mm-hmm. And so it takes more work to uncover yeah. those details, but at the same time, it's, it's, that's where the rich, the richness is, yeah. you know? When it's also understanding that the Bible <clears throat> wasn't written to, I mean, it was written to the church, it was written to the saints, but it was written to specific people. Like each book, like especially in the New Testament, there's a purpose behind how it's written and the context of what they're saying. Like the epistles, like Paul's writing to specific churches and it's not necessarily the church at Chester Mountain. Now it has application for us and it has meaning for us and we can know God because of it, but it's not like, what, what does God have for me? Like, I think we come to the approach of the Bible so much just for what, what can I get from it? Yeah. When the Bible is, how can I know God? Yeah, that's good. And then, and then what does it look like to live a godly life? Yeah. And so if it's just picking these verses and just, and that's the only verses we ever read because they make me feel better. Or if it's the, you know, spinning the globe or I think in here we call it the magic eight ball. Like that idea of like just shaking it and, and, or flipping the Bible open and hoping you land on something that means something. You might land on something that like is nonsense and like, or is like, if not in context, makes complete, um, is nonsense to you. Like you get in the Old Testament, you start reading some of these verses like, oh, I don't know how that applies to my life. Or you run the danger of trying to make it apply to your life when it has nothing to do with yeah. anything. It's not prescriptive it's descriptive it's describing something not telling you to do something hello so that's the thing about the bible is hello like, hold on you ain't going far after that one man hold no. on prescriptive right versus descriptive. descriptive so the bible has different different uh literary forms so you have you have history you have poetry you have telling like all these different things and there's some like you take the book of acts which is both descriptive and prescriptive descriptive in the sense that it's telling a story of the early church. So there's some verses in there that do not have a direct application to your life, right? They're just describing something. And then there are prescriptive verses in the book of Acts that would relate to us. Um, you think of, or even a verse that is both descriptive and prescriptive. I think of Acts where the beginning where um, Jesus tells the disciples they're going to be the witnesses in all of Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. Like, He's describing something, but he's also telling them that they're going to go. And yeah. for us, like, description is they were going to go into the world. For us, we must go into the world. So it's both yeah. describing and applying something to your life. Yeah. And the way we know that, partly, is because we can cross-reference it. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And Which we've read, and read the book in its entirety from yeah, yeah, yeah. chapter one to whatever the end. Yeah. Um, so those are important. Um, I think of... You know, something like I've struggled with in my Bible reading is like bouncing around in scripture. Like, all right, I'm going to, you know, I I really like Romans 6. Like, I'm going to read Romans 6. Well, I really like also um, Psalm 119. So I'm just going to bounce back and forth and I'm never really getting, like, I'm never really getting to sit deep into the word. And so some days, like, I have more time to sit in the word for longer, but. Other days I, I don't, and, yeah. but if I'm just bouncing back and forth and, and never really understanding or reading the book in its entirety, I think it's just, um, 
it's dangerous. Like, yeah. we, I don't have an idea of what's going on in this book, like the theme of it and um, the intended outcome of what it's supposed to get. Yeah. And so I, I think those are just dangerous things. Yeah. Um, you called that one the bouncy ball approach. The bouncy ball approach. Yeah, that's true. Like, oh, I, I, I like what that says. Yeah. And then when somebody comes up to you and says, well, what does this mean? Mm-hmm. And you're like, I don't know, but I like what this says. You yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah. There's purpose for all of it, but it's not always. Uh, well, I even think like for that, like we can do that in almost large chunks of scripture, not mm-hmm. just on verses. Like um, we all love Romans one through eight, and then we get to Romans nine. We're trying to figure out what the heck God's doing <laughs> there, and like, but it's important to understand that it all is leading up to something, and then beyond. Like there's still more chapters to go, and. Mm-hmm. And so if you're only reading and you're just bouncing around in Scripture to what you like, your theology and your understanding of who God is will be fragmented to your preference yeah. instead of to really who wow. He is. And, um, and so I found that to be the case. Like I'll read, I'll, I've read verses before and gone back and read them in context and be like, oh, mm-hmm. what I wanted it to say is not actually what it's right. saying. And, um, and, and the culture likes to do this. They want to take yep. these fragments of Scripture and then use them to, to try to say your faith is a contradiction. And we as Christians don't know how to defend it because we've never read it. And um, so I, I just think that's a danger because yeah. no one's ever taught us how to do this. Yeah. And so... That, that comes out especially too. I've seen it when it's like you're presented with a challenge mm-hmm. in terms of like maybe something hurt really bad or somebody mm-hmm. hurt you or you lost somebody or, you know, or you're even somebody asks you, how could a good God allow that much evil to happen yeah. in the world? And then you're faced with this complexity of, oh no, that doesn't feel like the same God. Like yeah. that doesn't feel like, you know, when we let our preferences drive the way we study the mm. Bible, then as you said, our framework of who God is and how he operates rests inside of our preferences. And that's where it gets to be Mm. really complex when it comes to the world around us, because we're looking around and we're like, how could a good God do this? Well, it's more complex than something that fits within your feeling or your preference or your, and you got to take the whole thing in context. Uh, His, his, uh, righteousness, his justice, his grace, his mercy, mm-hmm. all are one. You mm-hmm. can't isolate, nope. you know, and the God that we saw in Sodom and Gomorrah is the same God that we saw in, on the cross, yeah. you know, like absolutely grace and mercy and justice and righteousness and in the most gory forms mm-hmm. coexist, right? Like it blows our minds, but yeah. we can't, you see what I'm saying? Like we can't right. isolate his yeah. uh, attributes because they don't fit into our preferences. Yeah, and it's also understanding that we still all play, a, like we all have responsibility in this. Like it's not just God up in heaven using us as puppets. Like we play yeah. a responsibility in this. Yeah. And our responsibility is the reason this is all jacked up anyways. And so like we always want to point the finger, well, God God couldn't do that because he's good. And like, no, but we could because we're messed up. <laughs> and, but like, you don't get that if you don't read it's good. in context. And you don't read, like, if you read through Genesis, even like all these people, and that's the crazy thing about reading in context, like all these Old Testament figures that we want to use as these moral examples mm-hmm. are really jacked up dudes. Like, oh man. You don't want to be 
even though David was considered a man after God's own heart, you don't want to be David. <laughs> right. <laughs> you don't want to be Abraham because he was, you know, man, complete. Some crazy stuff, dude. Moses doesn't get to go to the promised land because he disobeys. So like these kind of things all play in, but if you're not, if you're just like choosing the highlights totally. of scripture, you're missing it. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about the telephone game. This is, telephone this game. is one of my favorites that you talked yeah. about the other night. Uh, telephone game. Well, Brian talked about it. I remember that. Well, yeah, true. Brian, um, sorry. But you, this is yours, you know, <laughs> this is your baby. You baby. cultivated this, yeah. you, you know, and so I, anyway. Yeah, so telephone game, um, and I think this is this is the easy one because it it's letting someone else do the work for you. Yeah. So the telephone game we've all played as a kid, where you have a line of people, um, a phrase is whispered in the first person's ear, and then it's transmitted down the line, mm-hmm. and by usually by the end of it, it's distorted. Yeah. And this is what's happened in our culture is like we've allowed other people to tell us what the Bible says. We've never done the work for it. And people have distorted it to, to tickle people's ears, to make people yeah. like them, and um, or even to try to disprove scripture. And so, it's this idea of where we've never, we never go to the Bible for ourselves. We let someone else tell us about the Bible, and um, and it's such a dangerous game because you're not really like how how much can you trust someone else to that they've done the work to study that they've they're saying exactly what it actually says. And that's something I always want to challenge our people to. Mm-hmm. And make sure what we're saying is lines up with Scripture, and if it doesn't, call us on it. That's good. Jen Wilkins says, I will not stand before God and be accountable for how someone else love how someone else loves God with their mind. I will stand before God and give an account for how well I love God with my mind. So, like, it's not like mm. we want to present the Scripture yeah. and we want to teach the Bible as well as we can and as accurate as we can, but... these people are going to stand, everyone will stand accountable to God for how they loved God, not for how well the person they listened to loved God. Mm -hmm. Which is dangerous because if we're not careful, we'll let someone else dictate what we believe. Yeah. The way way I think about this, this is another illustration. Sorry. No, you're good. Come on. (laughs) But the, you know, what's your favorite flavor of gum? Mm. Are you not a gum guy? I mean... Just a plain mint. Mint, like spearmint or peppermint? Peppermint, yeah. Peppermint's your favorite? Okay. So that that first bite into the gum, like it's a burst of flavor. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? A hundred bites in Mm -hmm. is totally different than that first bite. For sure. You know what I'm saying? A thousand bites in, you're throwing it away, maybe. Maybe you're... Kaylin, my wife, she throws it away after 60 seconds, and it drives me crazy. I'm a big gum guy. I have gum constantly. And she wastes gum more than anybody I've ever... She just wants it for that original burst, and And then she's done. Right. So the Mm. way I think about this, particularly with how we consume Mm. scripture and words from other people, you know, we come to church trying to receive a word from God, which Mm -hmm. is a good thing. Yeah. But what we really are doing is we're receiving it from the pastor or the worship leader or whoever's on the stage Mm -hmm. or the small group leader in the small group room. We're looking for it to come out of their mouth. And what it's like is already been chewed. You've heard of ABC gum? Already been chewed gum? That's right. Wow. (laughs) Where it's like a thousand chews in. Yeah. And there's not like, I think about, I can't remember what psalm it is, taste and see that the Lord is good, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, 30 something, I think, Psalm thirty. We'll check that later. Say it with confidence, man. 38? I'm just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> it's Psalm. I know it's yeah, a Psalm, yeah. but 
taste and see that the Lord is good. You can you can't taste it when yeah. it's been through somebody else's mouth. And guess what? If that preacher, hopefully not, is receiving his word from somebody else's mouth instead of the mouth of God, mm-hmm. it's even been chewed. And so the point is the same. Like right. we have to learn mm. to steep ourselves in the word of God and delight in that. Yeah, for sure. And when we do and we receive it, which takes practice and mm-hmm. it does take work. Everything good takes work, you right. know. Uh, when we do that, we can taste the fullness of his glory yeah. for ourselves. And that's the thing. We believe in preaching. We believe in the proclamation of his word. We believe that it has a right and good place. Um, and we want to do the work to sit in it and let the word press yeah. on us. But but we also want you to be able to sit in your own study and, and let the word press on you. Um, because like what I've told people is like, I'm going to sit in whatever text I'm teaching for hours um, of trying to figure out how to teach. One, it's not, I'm not that smart, so I need a lot of time to think about it. But like, I can't take, if I, let's say I do six hours of prep if, or more. I can't explain in 30 minutes what I dealt with for those hours. Mm-hmm. And, and so we want you to be able to, and you don't have to go deep dive. You don't have to get into the, I mean, if you want it to get fun, like let's get in the Greek and the Hebrew and all this <laughs> stuff, but like dive into it. Let the yeah. word press you. And what was the author trying to say? Like, why was the gospel of John written? Who was it written to? What was the purpose behind it? Mm-hmm. Like those things will matter when you read and you'll be like, oh, I get why he's saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, why do they start off with genealogies? Well, they're, they have a purpose. Like the genealogy has a purpose. It's not just a list of names. Like it's, it's pointing to something bigger. It's showing like the promise to Abraham is fulfilled in Jesus because of the genealogy, which is pretty mm, fantastic. Amazing. And I'm the first person to want to skip over those because I can't pronounce half of them. <laughs> That's where you say it with confidence. Yeah. <laughs> but, but those are the, like, to me, those are the biggest dangers that we face or even like topical only approach where you're just taking one, where you're only studying a topic and you're never studying the book. So maybe it's a topic of marriage and you're only doing a marriage study, which they have their, they have their, their place. Like it's a good thing to have topical stuff, but it's also a good thing to know the Bible as a whole and not just the topics that we want to talk about or study about. Yeah. That's good. It's good. I I think it's an important topic. We could talk about it for a long time. Uh, you know, because we, our hope, I guess I can say this on behalf of you, if you give me your blessing, (laughs) our hope is that our church and also the church Mm -hmm. would be better equipped to be able to study God's word for themselves because this whole platform and seat discrepancy that we have Mm -hmm. in church today can play a dangerous role in our minds to say the person on the platform has the Holy Spirit in a different way than the person in the seats. Mm. You know, when we believe that the Holy Spirit indwells the Christian, the Christ follower, the believer, and the person who's professed their hope and put their trust in Jesus has the same Holy Spirit that the person on the platform does, the same Holy Spirit that brought Jesus out of the grave. And so that Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit is in them to equip them to see the glory of God and the primary way that he's revealing Mm -hmm. that is through his word. And our hope for this 
podcast, our hope for these roundtable discussions and everything that we do here is to better equip the people. Um, I would say the one thing that I, well, this is what I'll do. I'll give my one thing that I want them to take away and you give them your one thing. I didn't prepare you for this. I'm ready. But I'm going to go first so that you can have some more time. My one thing that I hope you all take away from this is read in context. Understand the context. Search for the context. Uh, you, you will be in trouble if you take text out of its original context. Yep. Um, and if you have that in mind when you come to the scripture, it will make a lot more sense and it will be much easier to understand and apply. Yeah, um, I would echo that. And also, mine's two part. Um, I you would, would say you yeah. would do two parts. I know. Well, I mean, it's hard <laughs> to narrow it down. Um, I would say. Um, Really off what you're talking about, like the mm-hmm. people on the platform, the people in the seats have the same Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Lean on the Holy Spirit to That's help good. you understand. Um, there's going to be questions that arise. like, And don't let those questions freak you out. Like press into them. Yeah. Dig deeper into them. That's like, good. It's a, it's a treasure. Like search into it. That's dig good. for it. Um, but also I would challenge like our hope too in all this is that we want to see, a, like we want to we be able to put a dent in the biblical illiteracy mm. crisis that's happening. Like, and this, this will start with the saints, the people of the church, getting really serious about the Word of God good. and studying it for themselves. So that's what I would say. Let's put a dent. Let's put a dent. <laughs> and we exist for, for the, the one. one.